And you're back with Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show. We've been having an interesting off-air discussion just now about eating raw whole foods <laughs> as a meal. That's uh, the one. Minnie was homeless for... Uh, how long were you homeless for? It wasn't ho- it was You've by, been homeless a number... You, but it was by choice. You do this kind of regularly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I don't know. I was maybe like six months living in my car. Yep. Maybe. And, 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 eating, and eating, a, eating a meal of just like whole foods. Whole like a, food. just like, a whole I'm gonna head eat of broccoli. A head of broccoli for dinner yeah. tonight. Whole whatever. I tried just to, I remember once I tried to eat like an onion, not too much. Cause it's cool. <laughs> I was like, never again. I was a like, whole onions are good for you. bulb of garlic, mate. <laughs> garlic, I was going to say that. I can't do raw garlic. I just get yeah. real sick. I'm like, oh, raw ginger. I'll go for days with raw ginger, but not raw garlic. Well, maybe well yeah, you can overdose on garlic too. It's a natural blood thinner, yeah. <gasps> hey. Uh-huh. You be careful. You get low blood pressure and then you'll be like, oh, I can't stay awake. Yeah, not ideal. Yeah, particularly if you already have, like my wife, um, she already has low blood pressure at the best of times. Mm. <clears throat> and so if she ODs on garlic, then it just um, lowers her blood pressure more. Or, and, and you combine that with um, too much sun, sunlight because sunlight oh, will lower yes. your blood pressure. Yeah. And, um, and she can be like, you know, 50 over nothing. <laughs> so what's the garlic serious. threshold? How much garlic's too much? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. It's, I think it's got to be raw garlic for it to have its, have its okay. effect. And uh, you're only going to notice it if you suffer from low blood pressure. Oh, okay. So I think, you know, like five, six cloves, something like that of, of raw garlic. And you can actually get a, um, wow. that's a actually significant, not that much a significant no. blood pressure reduction. There you go. Rat poison right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Anyway, how did we get sidetracked onto that? That was my fault. Yes. Yeah, you have to. Who doesn't it. have the app? Does everybody have the app? You all need to get the app. Faith <laughs> FM Australia app. That's my reminder for today. I've done my reminder. So we should move on with our 20 million movement Bible study. Mark chapter 16 is where we are going to. And Dr. Sven has... Uh, is able to join us this morning, so it's always great when we can have people here in the studio. And uh, so we're going to start in uh, verse 1. Dr. Sven, would you like to start for us in Mark 16 and verse 1, please? And it reads, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices, sorry, bought spices, so that they might go and anoint him. Speaking of Jesus, obviously. Absolutely. So we've got how many people involved here going to anoint Jesus? Three, according to this account. Okay, and who are those three? Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Okay, so we've got three ladies here mm. who are going to... And this was an embalming process. This was something that uh, was... You know, Jewish tradition. Bur- yeah, Jewish burial, burial yes. custom. Tradition. Mm. Um, and it was you know, part of their grieving process. It was part of how people would find closure in those days. And we talked... I think it was yesterday we talked about different burial customs. And, yeah. You know... Mm. The Bible doesn't specify any particular form of burial custom. It uh, really comes down to what's going to help somebody grieve and find closure. It is interesting that they felt that they needed to wait until the Sabbath was over. That is very interesting, particularly Mm. for those who propose either a Wednesday or a Thursday crucifixion. Mm. Yes. Because if you're going to go and propose the Wednesday or the Thursday crucifixion, why did they wait until Sunday to do the embalming? Why didn't they do it on, you know, Thursday or Friday? Yes. Because there would have been nothing stopping them. Mm. Why wait until Sunday? But also, I mean, the key thought here is that they honored the Sabbath. Yes. Clearly, Jesus had done nothing to change their view in relationship to the Sabbath. They still 
felt it was valid. They still yeah, felt right. that it applied to them. And if the Sabbath, if, this, if, if, if another day other than the Sabbath day was going to become a part of the new covenant, Jesus had to make those changes before he died because his death sealed the new covenant. But, but don't you think that they would have made a change because he rose on Sunday? So, so the, the, the pivoting mm. event had not yet for, from their perspective, hadn't occurred. So, so maybe there's an argument there. Mm. Okay, there is an argument there, and it's one that I've often heard. But when you look at what Jesus does with the, um, with the communion service and the Last Supper, he actually holds that service a little bit early. And baptism as well. And baptism as well. Um, but you know, just looking specifically at the communion service, he holds the communion service early and when he says, this is my body, this is my blood, what meaning does that have to the disciples? They've got no idea what he's talking about. It's like it's completely meaningless to them. Why didn't he do that on Sunday when he comes back to the upper room after he's been resurrected? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, now we get that. <laughs> it would have had so much more meaning and so much more depth. But he does it beforehand. And the reason that he does it beforehand and baptism as well is because once the new covenant is sealed by his death, you can't go changing it. That's right. It. Yeah, it's done. Any changes you want to make have to take place before it's sealed by the death of Jesus Christ. Mm. And the other thing, of course, as well, is that you know it's so clear here that they, they felt the Sabbath applied to them. And if there was going to be a major change, they would, it would have needed to be a very, very clear directive from Jesus as well. You know, that the, this yeah. is the new norm, which is exactly what you see with baptism and particularly the, you know, the last supper, the communion service. Whereas it's silent. The Bible's silent about the, the, that change from Sabbath to Sunday, which, of course, was a historic change, which occurred over hundreds of years. That's right. You imagine if you went to Israel today and passed legislation through the Israeli uh, parliament to change the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. The nation would be in uproar. Well, the- Imagine if Jesus... Sorry, let me just finish this thought. Imagine then if Jesus had tried to do it in his day. We would have a record of that. Well, yeah. you know, the whole concept of trying to change um, circumcision was massive. Huge. And, and you think that... And that's not even part of the Ten Commandments. Exactly. Yes. Sorry, I'm butting in. I'm getting too excited. <laughs> I'm running ahead of Sven's the, list. The, the, other, the other really interesting thing here is that it's, it's three women who go to the, the tomb yeah. uh, to, to anoint him. You know, where were the guys? They, they were hiding up in the upper rooms. Makes me feel really inspired, doesn't it? But, <laughs> Proud to be a man right now. Not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. And, of course, um, all right, so we need, to, we need to continue on here and, and see what happens. Okay, so, Minnie, do you want to continue on for us? Uh, yeah. Verse 2, please. Verse 2, very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away for us, uh, who will roll away the stone for us, sorry, from the entrance of the tomb. But as they arrived, they look up, looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Okay. I love mm. this. I love that they're like, we're going regardless, even though we actually don't know how we're going to get in. Like, they've committed to it. They've bought the spices. They're on their way. But they're like, well, we don't know how we're going to get in. And they're fearless. Yeah, but they're still I, I going. wonder how many guys did they ask, hey, we've got to go and do this job. Can <laughs> yeah. you come and roll away the stone? And they're like, yeah, no, no we're just going to stay behind these locked doors. Mm. But, but could that have been like this emotional, irrational response that, you know, 
they they hadn't actually thought it all through. It was just kind of the the feminine kind of thing. You know, is is it is it that or, or what what was going on here? What what were they thinking? What mm. help us dive into their <laughs> minds? You know, <laughs> Minnie, but, but help, I, help us help us dive into their minds. But I do think often, right? We we see different stories where people do act from deep emotion and do crazy things, like you know, like I don't know, like the mother who picks up the car to free their son, or you know, or you the, don't have to always think it through, like and. These guys, even though Jesus had told them, we know that they were in great mourning. We know that the women were at the cross when a lot of the disciples weren't. Um, I just mm. think there probably is this very relational connection. You know, was it the female thing or not? Mm, seems to be a bit of a connection. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess but, it really shows their commitment, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, that they were, were dedicated to, yeah. to honoring what Jesus had done in their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact remains that it was a dangerous time for the followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus had just been crucified. His followers were hiding, and these women aren't. That's mm. the that's the simple exactly. fact that remains. Rem- yes. Regardless of whether this was an intellectual response or mm. an emotional response or anything in between, that fact remains oh. and should be admired. And it's something that I think they see it's important enough, even if they don't have the answers for. You know, it's like that whole sometimes we're called to go, and God won't quite say how, but you're like. You know, you have the choice of do I just go? No, no, I'm waiting for all the details first, or can the we just obedience go? Yeah. Thing, it's actually yes. it's actually a very interesting thought right here, in relationship to the authenticity of the story. Because if you think about it, if you're going to make this story up as a legend or a story, or a, you know, if you're going to create it like you know, hundred years later, like yeah, let's make up this story about the resurrection of Jesus, would you have had women showing up, men? Absolutely not. No. Not in that, not in those days, not in that culture. Mm. And the interesting thing is, when you go to First Corinthians fifteen, what you find is it's men. Yes, mm. absolutely. Okay, so we're going to come back in a moment. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So what you've got here is people recording a story that, for them as men, as male authors of this particular book, Mark, mm-hmm. he's a man. This is embarrassing. Mm. And you don't do that if you're just making stuff up. Yes. Um, you do that because, well, actually, you know what? This is what as embarrassing as it is, this is what actually happened. We guys got shown up by three women. Mm. Even in today's culture, there'd be a bunch of guys who'd be like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not actually going to write that bit down. <laughs> But there's another. But in that, that culture, so much more. Yeah, go ahead. But there's another thing as well, which is that there's been an alternative um, explanation for what happened on that Sunday morning, and, and that is that Jesus kind of fainted on the cross, and he didn't actually die, and they they put him in the tomb unconscious. They thought he was dead, and then he revived in the coolness of the tomb, and, and then came and and showed himself to disciples. But this this detail here that the, the women were thinking of how they roll a stone away. It was a very large stone. Um, to, to think that a person who had been whipped mm. uh, twice, mm-hmm. twice lost huge amounts of blood, been crucified for hours and st- stabbed in the side and would then from the inside of the grave mm-hmm. be able to roll away the stone... Um, is just incredulous. It's just, um, it doesn't make sense. Okay. It really points to the fact that Jesus actually was dead and he really did rise from the, from the, from the dead. And, and if you went to that tomb and Jesus had survived the crucifixion and had pushed the stone away 
and was lurking somewhere outside the tomb when you arrive, how are you going to react when you see Jesus? I don't know about you, but I would react with absolute horror. Mm. You know, let's get this guy some medical attention. Yeah. He has Let somehow survived this. He's got no flesh left on his back because of the beatings that he has received. He's black and blue from head to toe. He's a mess. He's He's been ripped apart physically. Mm. Um, the, the horror of, of finding somebody who has survived that mm. is is just beyond imagination. I mean, I never forget one time as a young boy, um, our dog killed the Tasmanian devil. It happens when you live in Tasmania. Killed this devil and the devil lay dead um, on sort of you know, a, a road, sort of a bush track on the back of the farm and it lay there for two days. And then it got up and walked. Now it had big chunks of flesh hanging out of it. Oof. But it got up and it walked away and we found it walking through the garden. That and must have was, been a sight. It was horrific. It has, it, it was a, it's, it's a scene that has scarred itself into my mind ever since. And, you know, we very quickly um, euthanized that animal because it was the only thing that, you know, could be, could be done with any kind of um, decency or dignity. But it was horrific. Mm. Mm. But this is not what happens when Jesus appears. They fall down and worship him. And you wouldn't call a, a person who's bleeding and, and been whipped, you know, you wouldn't say, hey, he's the son of God. No. It's, it's only a supernatural miracle or resurrection where you go, this is the son of God. We need to keep reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnie, where were you up to? I finished verse 4. Okay, so Zvan, if you could uh, pick up for us in verse 5, please. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Okay. All right. So, silence. You've walked into this tomb... The stone is rolled away. The Roman seal is broken. The Roman guard has vanished. Mm. Okay, these are going to be all the kind of things that are really going to be quite disturbing. And then you meet this young man, an angel. He's like, he's not here. He's risen. You know, he's how, gone. How do you respond to that? You run away. <laughs> you run away and don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay, but not everybody runs away, do they? Mm. So you've got two of these women, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome or Salome. Um, who, who do leave, and they're like they're not they're not game to say anything, mm. and mm. it's kind of hard to put yourself in their shoes and to to try and figure out what's going through their heads. But um, Mary Magdalene comes back. Yes. Mm. Why do you think that was? It was that emotional attachment, I think, which was the the, the commitment that we were talking about before. She just. She just wanted to know what happened. I mean, she was one of the disciples who was basically with Jesus um, from very early on in his ministry all the way through. And so in those respects, she's probably you know, up there with the 12 with the amount of time that she spent with Jesus. And uh, why hang around an empty tomb? It's almost like as if she just can't bear to leave. She doesn't know where Jesus is. She doesn't know what has gone on. 
Uh, she doesn't understand what the the, the 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 person inside the tomb has said. Um, but she's. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Bible has other verses where she is the one who Jesus casts the demons out of. She's the one who wept and washed his feet. She has had this experience of God's grace in a way that even the disciples didn't seem to understand. You know, like, I think you're right. You know, she's got this deep attachment because she's like, no, like, my life has been completely changed by this man. I can't, like, how can you just walk away from that? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Do we have a record of any of the disciples that had you know, demons cast out of them, for instance? Well, it, it connects with the story from yesterday where you had the, mm. the man who was possessed by demons, yeah. the lesion, and, then he, and he wanted to be with Jesus. He, he didn't want to, to leave. Oh. Um, whereas Jesus said to him, you need to go and tell uh, your home, you know, family at home and all that kind of stuff. And I guess we see exactly the same thing. There's, there's a spiritual, it's a supernatural connection mm. between Mary and, and Jesus. And I think in her mind, she's thinking to herself, a miracle occurred to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was um, demon possessed, seven demons but something changed, and it's it's like in her mind she's going, something must have happened to Jesus. I want to find out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. She's and like, this isn't done yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not over. <laughs> you know, it's not game over yet. And after all, the tomb is empty, so where are you going to go? You know, mm. it's like, where has he gone? Where are you going to start looking? You know, the other the other two women, they're like, Ooh, what, <laughs> you know, and they, and they walk off. Yeah. But he's somewhere around here. She stays. She lingers. Mm. All right, so let's read about this. Um, uh, let me see. Minnie, we must be back to your turn again. Sorry, Sven, you were going to say something? I guess one of the questions would be, and this would be coming from a, a sceptical perspective, so just you know, um, sharing what, what an atheist might say. It says here they, they did not say anything to, well, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And, and the, uh, you know, the scholarship says, well, this is where the book of Mark should end, you know, in terms of the earliest manuscripts, and we could talk about all of that. So I guess the question would be, if they didn't say anything to anyone, uh, doesn't this contradict the fact that then we have this kind of story here? Doesn't it, it sort of, you know, it, it's kind of, they've, they've silenced, but then, then the story kind of, is, is being spread. So the, there's a contradiction there. And, and doesn't that point to uh, the Gospels being contradictory in some way? Okay. I'm, so you lost me there for a moment. So we've got... Well, why, why, okay, so let me, just, let me just work this through then. You've got some scholars who say that it should end here in... In verse 8. Verse yes. 8. Yes. See, so last 16 verses, whatever... Uh, supposedly have been added in at a future period yes. and are not part of the, uh, yes. of the book of Mark. So the, the earliest gospel says that the women... They uh, come they, there. They come there and then they go away. They don't tell anybody. Well, that makes no sense at all. But that, you, you know what I mean? There's mm. Some people who say, hey, there's, it's contradictory that we should actually know this story. They, they should have just been silent. That's what the book says. And, and we should walk away from it. But the fact is that they do know about Jesus... And they have heard stories of the resurrection when they come to the upper room. Um, you know, when, 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 you know, Cleopas and his friend, they've been like, well, you know, they're walking to, they're walking to Emmaus and they've got all of the, we, we've heard these reports from the women. And, you know, so the women have obviously been talking here. The, the other thing, of course, is that, you know, you can be in a situation where you don't say anything to anybody, 
But later on, you do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. That's something we all do on different occasions. occasions. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. Uh, where did we get up to? We got up to, what was it, verse 9? Mm. And we're about to move into this next little piece of story here, which is just so critical to the story as a whole, because we find that Mary, the other two women wander off, and Mary hangs around. And um, uh, Sven, would you like to read for us verse uh, verse 9? Verse 9 of Mark chapter 16. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. There's a slightly different story here because you've got the other two women who go off and they don't say anything. Mary has a different experience. Mm. She hangs around the tomb. Because she saw Jesus. Yes. And there's a key difference. That's a very, very key difference. We have a record of that over in uh, the Gospel. Let's go over to John very quickly. And let's see what happens over here. Where are we? John chapter... Um, 20. 20. Yeah, 20 verse 1. Mm. Actually, let's go down to... Oh, let's, let's go down a few verses here. Uh, 11? Start, yeah, start in verse 11. That'd be great. Let's start in verse 11. Thanks, uh, Sven. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stopped, uh, stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Okay, so this is an incredible story Mm. here. That um, an experience that happens to Mary. Mm. Now, of course, you know, opponents of the Bible, and we'll just toss this one in here because we were talking about it during the song break, was, Mm. oh, you know, the Bible contradicts itself because in Mark there's one angel and here there's two angels. Is that a contradiction? No, it's two different perspectives Mm. of the same situation. It's just... John is giving a lot more detail, Mm. Mm. whereas Mark is just, you know, Mark gives one verse, whereas John gives you almost a chapter on this particular event that takes place here at the tomb. Okay, now what else is interesting is verse 17. What does Jesus say to Mary in verse 17? Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. Okay, don't cling to me, or in my translation, don't even touch me. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. When Jesus comes back and he meets with Cleopas and his friend and then meets them with the upper room, what does he say to his disciples that is a contrast to this? Well, now they can touch him. Now they can yeah. feel his scars. Because mm. they're like, oh, there's a ghost in the room. He's like, no, come and touch me. Mm-hmm. Feel these scars. Okay, so between those two events, Jesus has been to heaven and back. Mm. Mm. But it wasn't while he was dead. 
No, that wasn't while he was dead. This is after he's resurrected. Now, does Jesus meet with anyone else other than Mary before he's been to heaven? Ooh, no. No, he doesn't. Mary is the no. only person that he meets with before he ascends into heaven. Okay, so let's put this story together here. You've got the resurrection morning. Jesus is, is, is dead in the tomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The angel comes down. God comes down rolls the rolls the stone away from the tomb. Jesus raises from the dead. The Roman guard is just flattened. You know, you've got like 100 men there just flat on their, flat on their faces like dead men. Uh, Jesus walks out of the tomb. The Roman guard uh, head back to Jerusalem to report what they have heard. And then Jesus waits. Mm. And he waits for Mary Magdalene. Okay? Think about this. He waits for Mary Magdalene. He meets with Mary Magdalene. And then he goes to heaven. Why do you think Jesus does that? Because Jesus is so good. Like (laughs) But he, he does this for her, right? Yeah. This has nothing to do with him. He doesn't have to stay. No. This is purely to You would do... think that... You would... Sorry. I, I'm... No, you go. I was going to say, this is purely to do with him seeing a need that she has to see him, to know, you know, where have they taken my Lord? What is the story? What's happening? He's like, try. I got you. I got you. Like, and, and then it's not just for her because now she's also to go tell the disciples. I mean, there was the angels in the tomb, but this is also now Jesus himself going, yep, you go. I just think this is incredible. <laughs> I think there's a whole bunch of things that come out of this. Because, so many things. You know, if you were Jesus, and we've got to remember that Jesus was a human being. That's right. And the crucifixion was horrific. And they're friends. Like, they were good friends. You mean, you mean to keep going with, sorry, this, sorry, with sorry. this thought here? <laughs> the crucifixion is horrific, but you know that once you get past mm. this and the resurrection happens, you get to go to, to, you get to, go to heaven and, and to be with, you know, God. You are God, and you get to be there with mm. the Father and with the Holy, you know, all of that. And so you're looking forward to that, like, you know. And you're resurrected, and it's like, this is fantastic. Um, let's, you know, get on with the process of the great controversy. Go to heaven, and make sure that this sacrifice has, uh, you know, been sufficient. But it's like, yeah, you know what? Before I do that, I'm just going to wait around and see Mary. It's pretty special. Okay, now let's think about let's think about who Mary was. And where she came from. We mentioned this earlier. She was not somebody who um, has a record of, a, of being a lifelong saint. <laughs> well, she's known as she's a sinner. She's kind of the opposite. The Bible describes her as a great sinner. The Bible says that she's someone that Jesus cast seven demons out of. Is there a lesson here in Jesus meeting with Mary first? What does that say about Jesus and his interest in people who are great sinners? You know, we would think that, you know, well, let's, let's put it in, in, in human terms. When a person of significance, say a political leader or someone like that comes to visit our country, they're going to see other people of great significance. Mm. People who are considered to be people of value. So Who is you, it that Jesus sees a value? Yeah, go. So if you were the, if if you were planning the itinerary for Jesus, yes, there's a resurrection would, itinerary. You would plan Peter, James, Nicodemus, or Joseph of Arimathea. You wouldn't choose Mary Magdalene. No, mm. I might and struggle even with Peter. 
<laughs> but, but yeah, you no, choose one of those yeah, those guys. Would, you'd be Nicodemus, Joseph Arimathea. Yeah, that's that's probably where I would start. Caiaphas, uh, maybe not. <laughs> rub some salt in the wound. Rub some salt in the wound. Yeah, but you know, people of importance. That that's the point. You know, you you'd choose a really good itinerary, somebody who's credible, respectable in society. You wouldn't go for Mary and Magdalene. Seen as, and seen as being a person of holiness. But mm. Jesus goes for the great sinner because he wants us to send us a message that he is here for the great sinner. Mm. And it is the great sinner who becomes the first evangelist. Mary is the first evangelist that speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's hey. where it starts. Mm. It starts with the great sinner. It starts with this person who is a woman in those cultures. In that day, you would not choose a woman. But that's where Jesus begins. And Jesus has called every single one of us to be an evangelist for him 